You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Doesn't feel like we need to preach after that, does it? What words? Don't know if I'm just seeing them for the first time if they are, but that was um, absolutely amazing. So, we are really romping through the armour in the Church Forward series now. Six pieces of armour, and there's still one more that needs to be put on, to be clothed in the armour, and that's the shoes. The belt's on, the breastplate's on, the helmet's on, but the shoes have still to go on. But, just to keep you on your toes, hope you saw what I did there. <laughs> I'm going to speak this morning about the shield. <laughs> and leave Ian to bring your shoes next week when he's back from holiday. I, I was actually really glad when the shield was given to me to do. Because the shield is something you can hide behind. And that suits me very well. I'm not a fighter. Um, I find it hard really to swat a fly. Um, I'm not really a risk taker either, especially if it's anything to do with something that's going to cause me any kind of physical harm. Don't want that. So I'm glad that we can have all this armour covering us. It allows us to stand our ground. But you know, the shield really appeals to me because it's a large, protective piece of kit. Um, Paul is not talking about the little um, Viking shields, you know, where the Vikings came and, oh gosh, could they fight? But, you know, they would have this little shield and they would have their sword and they were vicious. Um, it's not that kind of little shield that just put, put it up for them. Um, or even, you know, a Jacobite shield. We all know about Jacobites and, and Jacobite shields. Um, again, they were quite small and they were round and they were used for really attacking. And then I looked at what a med- medieval knight would have as a shield. And it was more a, this is going to sound silly, a shield-shaped shield. shield. <laughs> you understand what I mean? Not around, but we know what we mean by saying that. But again, although it was a bit bigger, it was still quite small and it certainly didn't cover the whole body. But Paul is writing to the people of Ephesus and he used, in the same way as Jesus did, he used visuals that the people knew about. He used the armory of the Roman soldiers. They were used to seeing Roman soldiers and knew what their shields were like. They had real shields. Their shields were almost rectangular. It had a like a beveled shape. It was kind of door shaped. It was two and a half feet wide and four feet long. It was large enough for a soldier to crouch behind. Now that really appeals to me. The shield was made of wood. Often it was two pieces of wood glued together. Then it was covered in linen, I didn't know any of this. And then it was covered in leather. And all of that was then bound around the edges with metal. So it couldn't fray and couldn't tear apart. 
It could be up to six inches thick. That's a shield. It mustn't be very heavy, but it was to allow them to stand. And we've been learning a lot about what it is spiritually to stand. You know, the other thing these soldiers did as they went into battle was they dipped this, these already heavy shields, they dipped them in water. So that when the enemies fired flaming arrows at them, the shields caught them, but the shields didn't catch fire. What does Ephesians 6 say about the shield? Well, I know we've read it already, but I'm going to read you just verses 13 down to verse 16. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then it goes on, take the helmet and the sword. But we've put on all this armour, we've still got the shoes to go on, but we've got the armour on, and now we're told to take up or pick up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows being fired against you by your enemy. I hope you got the important word there. All, all the flaming arrows. Not some, yeah. not a few, not depending on who you are, not the easy ones, but all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So I want us to look at this shield in three distinct ways, just what you would expect from this. <laughs> so the first is, what is the shield of faith? Secondly, how does this shield work to protect us? And finally, how do we take up the shield of faith? So the first one, we know the physical shield being referred to, but what is the shield of faith? Well, a shield is the first line of defence. To get to the body, you had to get past the armour. To get to the armour, you had to get past the shield. It was big, it was bulky, it was no use for hand-to-hand -hand combat. So the soldiers would form up, plant the shields in the ground, crouch down behind them together and be safe from arrows or anything else that was thrown at them by the enemy. It's interesting to note that Paul mentions the most dreaded and cunning weapons of his day when he talks about fiery arrows. These arrows have tips made of some sort of combustible uh, material and when it hit its targets it would splatter and burn. And remember, this is way before anyone had invented gunpowder. So these weapons were ingenious and worked to bring many casualties and deaths. But this shield could save them. There was another function of the shield as well. The shield would be emblazoned with the coat of arms of the regiment. As the soldiers marched into battle, it was part of their honour to hang on to that shield. They, they could not lose it, nothing should to take it from them, because it said whose they were. 
In exactly the same way, our faith is our shield. It's our protection and it's our badge of honour. Our faith is what identifies us as believers. 1 John 5 and verses 4 and 5 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, it's interesting when people talk about faith, they often think about it as being leaping into nothing. You know, a leap of faith, they say, or blind faith. That's not a biblical de definition of faith. Yes, God sometimes asks, has asked these people to step out in faith, trusting that he will come up with the goods. I'm thinking of Moses stepping out over the Red Sea. Or the widow of Zarabeth in 1 Kings 17, always having enough food and oil. Or Peter getting out of the boat when Jesus told him to come to him. You know, we slide Peter for his lack of faith, causing him to, to start to sink. But you know what? Peter got out of the boat and we should really honour him for that. But these things, you know, they're a far cry from a blind faith or a leap of faith. Faith in scripture is always defined by its object and its object is always God himself and the promises of his word, especially of his son, Jesus Christ. Faith involves our minds, our hearts, and our will. Brian Hedges says, theologians define faith with these three terms, knowledge, assent, and trust. Knowledge, that corresponds with the mind. Faith knows something. Faith relies on the sure foundation of the word of God, and faith knows this word, relies on this word, believes this word. Faith also assents to this word. That means that our hearts agree with it. We accept it, we welcome it, we receive it. And then there's trust. That's the act of will by which we really entrust ourselves to God's truth. So all this is involved in faith, mind, heart, will, knowing, believing, and trusting God's word. We take up the shield of faith when we respond with our whole souls to the truth of scripture. It's what people have been doing throughout time. If you look back at Genesis in chapter 15, Abraham believed God and his faith was credited to him as righteousness. We're told in verse one that God will be Abraham's shield. God will protect him as he puts his faith in God. It's throughout the Old Testament. The shield of faith is found at least 20 times in the Psalms. Over and over, we read of men trusting God and God described as being a shield and a fortress. Listen to Psalm 91 in verse 4. It's just the second half of the verse. It says, His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Or Proverbs 35 says, He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Paul tells us, take up the shield of faith. But we learn, going back to the Old Testament, that God himself is that shield. 
Is that not really exciting? He protects us when we place our faith in him. Remember, remember those Roman soldiers, the, the shields, it was almost doors that they had. For an enemy to get past the soldier, they had first to get past the shield, and then they had to get past the worn armour. So with God as your shield, what is there to fear? Can anything get past God? Of course not. The moral of the story is, take up your shield and keep that shield up. When we let it down, fiery darts come at us and they hit. We have to stand on his word. Second, let's look a wee bit more about how the shield actually protects us. I've loved reading some of the Puritan preachers' um, stuff um, and, and I want to remind you of what someone I spoke about last time is William Gurnall from the 1600s and he said this, the shield protects not only the man himself but also the armour. He said it is armour for the armour. Now, I know I've been looking into this and I'm getting so excited about this and I know it's all, you know, you're not going to feel exactly the same, but isn't it amazing we don't only get the armour of God, we get armour for the armour. It's the grace that preserves all other graces. It just makes so much sense. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You put on the armour and you take up the shield because it's essential for every aspect of the Christian life to function. The shield covers the armour, armour for the armour. Another great Puritan author was a man named Walter Marshall. He was a pastor but he was a pastor who struggled with some habitual sins. He hated them, but he kept on doing them, in spite of all the time he spent reading to try and help himself. And eventually he went to a fellow pastor, a man he trusted, and he poured out a confession to him. Now Thomas Goodwin was that other pastor, and he was a very Christ-centered man who told him, Brother, You've left off the worst of all sins. You haven't confessed the sin of unbelief. And you know that completely changed Walter Marshall's life as he began to realise that the root of the sin problems was a lack of faith to really trust God to deal with these issues. And as he did that, his life was absolutely transformed. And he preached a wonderful series of sermons that were later published as a book called The Gospel Mystery of Sanctification. Faith is what it's all about. Faith is absolutely essential in our Christian lives. You know, there are reports of Roman soldiers who would come through battles and would count literally hundreds of arrows fastened onto their shield which had been fired at them through the battle, but they were completely safe. The shield had taken it all. John Bunyan in his book Pilgrim's Progress talks about Christian encountering a colleague and darts coming thick as hail. That's what it's like in the battle. We're always in a battle, but faith 
and the one who's already won the war is the way to stand and to win. As we read the word of God and we believe what it says, we live by faith. Though we don't always see how our actions might affect the future, though we might not receive our inheritance right now, though we go through trials and temptations and persecutions and whatever else Satan can fire at us, the fact that God sent his son to die in my place never changes. So I can fix my eyes on Jesus and I can walk by faith. And you know, as we do that, we're keeping our shield up and God, who is our shield, will protect us and fend off the enemy, no matter how many fiery darts he, he launches at us. You can keep your faith in him because he is always faithful to you. When I look at this amazing shield, another aspect of the Roman soldier's battle plan really encourages me. One soldier on his own, full armor on, crouched beneath, behind his shield, would still be no match for an enemy attack. But you know what? They weren't on their own. They were all in it together. I want you to think about this. If you want to shut your eyes and again, maybe you can picture it. I want to just tell you this. It's a chilly morning. The soldier stands side by side with his fellow soldiers. They don't march out. They wait for the battle to come to them. And they know it will. Their orders are simple. Defend your position, stand your ground. He remembers the captain speaking just a few hours ago to the entire battalion. He said, your enemy has no mercy. They will fight you and they will kill you if they can, any way they can. You must stand your ground. Your armour will protect you as long as your courage doesn't fail. Your victory is sure as long as you keep your shield up and your feet on the ground. His thoughts are interrupted by the sound of a fierce army marching closer and closer. He takes up his shield and he prepares to make his stand. Thank you. I love that these shields were shaped to allow them to come together. They weren't flat, they were beveled, so the soldiers could link them together so they had extra strength as they stood together. As they moved forward with their interlocked shields, they could march against the enemy like a solid wall. And that's why we're church together. We're in this battle together. That makes us more courageous and less vulnerable because we know we're there for each other. That's why we put out on prayer nights things that need to be prayed for because we all then start praying. We're there for each other. Coming together like this isn't out of habit. It's about us being together, encouraging us each other. I know it's difficult at the moment because I'm looking out and all I can see is masks. And I don't see your smiley faces and the encouragement that you are, but you know we're here and we know that we're in this together, that we can pray for each other, that we share with each other, that we know we're in, we're together in the battle. 
and we can draw from each other. Shields interlocked, standing our grounds. I loved what Brenda shared with us on WhatsApp last week about the sunflowers. They always turn their heads towards the sun, but when there's no sun, they turn to face each other. Wow, that's how the shield protects. So finally, how do we take up the shield of faith? Well, I want to suggest to you, just quickly, five ways. Listen, Paul doesn't say, put on the shield of faith. He says, take it up. It's something that's held. In the battle for your pride, you hold it up in front of you. We have to use our faith, we have to exercise our faith, and we have to apply it. The first way is to hear the word of God. Romans 10 and 17 says, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. There's something powerful about gathering with God's people to hear God's word. Yes, it's extremely important that we read it for ourselves, that we study God's word for ourselves, but it is also extremely important we come together to hear God's word. Secondly, pray to the interceding Saviour. Calvin called prayer the chief exercise of faith. Praying is so important. Hebrews 4 and 16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the one of the main ways of strengthening faith. And remember, as we're praying, he's interceding for us as well, praying for us. So it's not merely your prayers that give you faith, but it's also Christ's prayers for you. Isn't that amazing that God would do that for us? He is a high priest, able to save to the uttermost those who come to him because he lives to intercede for us. That's Hebrews 7 and 25. The third thing is fix your heart on unseen eternal realities. Look at those mentioned in the faith chapter in Hebrews 11. They lived by faith. They lived in the promises that God had made them, even when they died still waiting to see them fulfilled. Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 talks about things that are seen as temporal, but things unseen as eternal. Sometimes our faith is weak because we don't have eternal mindset. This really spoke to me. We're focused on the today, what we have to do, what we need. But we need to fix our minds on the unseen eternal realities, what is really important. Number four, lock shields with fellow believers. These soldiers advancing with the shields locked together, crouching down behind them were a formidable force. They were a wall of defence, they were never on their own. And as Christians, we really need each other. We need community to function as Christ intends. We need to be there for each other. In Romans 1, Paul tells the church he wants to come to visit them. In verse 11 he says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. 
as the Apostle Paul needed encouragement from fellow Christians, I know I sure do too. Hebrews 3 and 13, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Do you know, it was this pandemic that brought about the WhatsApp Connect group, but what a blessing it has been. It's really connected all those who use it. Even new people coming in, I know, I know Pam testifies to that all the time, how encouraging it has been. It's a means of sharing scripture, news, prayer requests, events, nonsense. It's family, enjoying each other. I'm so glad that this is going to stay, even when we get out and, and get back into a more sustainable normal, that we'll still have this because it gives us that opportunity to be family. We need other Christians in our lives, brothers and sisters. We need to, we need to be able to fellowship with each other, be in church together. And sometimes that's over lunch or coffee, that we can, people that we can ring up and ask for prayer when we need it. We're not just church on a Sunday, that's why we're doing this series, Church Forward. We need to be church on a Sunday, yes, but we're more than that. We're a living community. So get involved and build relationships and friendships and strengthen your faith. Lock shields with other believers. And finally, one last point as to how to take up the shield of faith. Last but definitely not least, look to Jesus, the great object of our faith. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We don't have blind faith, we have Jesus, and we can trust him always. Spurgeon, the great theologist and teacher, says this. I've updated it a wee bit because there was a lot of these and those, just so that it was easier to understand. He said, Remember, sinner, it's not your hold of Christ that saves you. It's Christ. It's not your joy in Christ that saves you. It's Christ. It's not even your faith in Christ, although that's the instrument. It's Christ's blood and his merit. Therefore, look not so much to your hands with which you're grasping Christ as to Christ. Look not to your hope, but to Christ, the source of your hope. Look not to your faith, but to Christ the author and finisher of your faith. If you do that, he says, 10,000 devils cannot throw you down. Look to Christ. It doesn't depend on you. It depends solely on him, on who he is and what he has done for us. You have here this morning a shield of faith. You take it up and stand your ground. As you do, you'll see the invisible army lock shields with you and you'll know we're all standing together. Look to Christ and those fiery arrows will never be able to penetrate that shield which is God. So next time we're going to hear about the shoes, that's the last piece of armour to be worn. This shield is the first piece of armour to be picked up. Armour for armour. So may God richly bless you and see you. Amen.